Welcome. You're listening to Coulda, Woulda, Shoulda, the podcast that pulls back the curtains in your mind. We like to shed a little light on why you're thinking what you're thinking. Everyone has a choice in life, in what and how they think. Together, we're going to focus on high-functioning habits. There is no more time to live with any sort of regret. Coulda, Woulda, Shoulda, the inspirational podcast for the inspired. Let's get into today's show with your host, Shelley R. Shearer. Hello, world. Shelley Rose Shearer here, and welcome to the show. Today, we have another wonderful guest on the show. Eric is a self leadership coach, a black belt hand washer. We'll be requiring about that later. Speaker and author with deep knowledge in the science of building courageous and emotionally intelligent mindsets. His know-how is a result of over 20 years of international corporate life, two master's degrees in human behavior change, and over 12 years helping leaders and their teams become their best selves to meet workplace challenges effectively. He spends much of his time developing authentically courageous leadership through keynotes, workshops, and individual coaching. Eric is the author of Swipe Right on Your Best Self, Simple Steps to a Bolder Life with Fewer Regrets. Eric, welcome to the show. Shelley, good morning from Sydney, Australia. Good this, morning. I'm, I'm calling from, I don't know if it's is it 10 hours ahead, 14 hours ahead, but I'm I'm a little bit in the future. And I, I just going to say, you know, you're, you're in tomorrow already. <laughs> I am in tomorrow and it's looking good. You, you Excellent. Look Thanks for letting me know things. that. <laughs> <laughs> so folks, Thursday is going to be a good day. According to Eric. I promise. I'm tidying it up for you. <laughs> so to, this morning, I appreciate that. This morning, I took a, a look, and usually, I'm sorry, I really try very hard to read someone's book, whole book before I even get into an interview, but I wasn't able to this past week. But I did uh, do a quick purview of the first chapter that you send out. And by the way, everyone, on his website, he will send you the first chapter for free. And I just loved the name. I loved his whole Tinder story. So we're going to ask him, <laughs> how did you get the name? <laughs> Yes, swipe right on your best self. Well, people spend an awful lot of time thinking about the kind of partner they want to be with in life. And uh, nowadays, apparently 30% of us are actually finding our partners online. You know, something that used to be a bit of a, an outlier, a bit of an odd thing to do, a bit quirky, right. a, bit, a bit risky, has become entirely mainstream. Every single age is using it because it works. But it wasn't that long ago, I think one of the first apps, Tinder, which is perhaps one of the best known, introduced this idea of presenting you with an image and a few words about someone that perhaps you'd like to spend time with. And if they were attractive, then you'd put your finger on the photo and you would swipe it to the right. You would choose to spend time yep. with that person. And if you weren't so interested, well, you swipe it to the left. <laughs> yeah. And Easy as. And nowadays, of course, we can we can order pizzas, swipe into the right. Yeah, totally. I notice Amazon, if you when you're ready to confirm your order, you swipe it to the right. We put a lot of effort into thinking about other people that we want to spend time with. But there's one person that all of us spend even more time with, someone who will have an even bigger impact on the quality of your life. And that's yourself. I've named the book Swipe Right on Your best self to underline this fact that actually we get to choose what kind of people we are going to show up with. And it's really important that we spend time thinking not about just about other people, the qualities that we mm -hmm. admire in other people, but what kind of qualities do we 
want to manifest? How do we want to show up? What would that look like? And then make an intentional choice repeatedly throughout our day to act like the kind of people and behave like the kind of people we choose to be like. So basically a good habit. Yes, it's totally. This this is possibly the most important habit because we've 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 got a, you know the nature of the human mind as you well know is that we tend to fall into habits. Yes. They are our versus default. create them with, yes. with purpose. Yes. Yes. And we're all run the risk actually of living lives on autopilot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, doing the easy thing perhaps, uh, doing the habitual, the routine thing. Also, what feeds us, we, the reason yes. it's unconscious is because we have some need that needs to be met and we'll fall into a habit that keeps meeting that need, even if it's destructive. I, totally. As totally. you know. We are habitual creatures. Mm-hmm. So our challenge as human beings is to live a really fulfilling, worthwhile life, worthwhile according to ourselves, mm-hmm. and uh, perhaps not what the rest of society thinks someone of your age, someone of your sex, ought to be doing but if we're going to author our own lives then we really need to choose and and that requires for a moment breaking out of habitual thinking waking up in this moment and consciously intentionally and deliberately deciding actually how do I choose to show up now what's important now and doing that but that can become a habit too Mm -hmm. the choosing can become a habit and it could be the most important habit we ever develop. I agree. On your list of questions, you have a question about uh, the five top regrets of people that are the dying, oh, dying. Yes. And I looked up this person that you quote, because I'd never heard of Bronnie Ware. And she from your country is a author and a speaker and a songwriter. So I've heard that so many times, you know, my dad used to joke as we were, as we were kids, you know, you can't pull a hearse behind you at the funeral. <laughs> what sort of things do people regret? What, what was yes. your experience and that you found as well that worked you towards this? Yes. So Bonnie Ware was, was a palliative care nurse mm-hmm. originally, originally from Scotland, I believe, but she moved to Australia and she was taking care of hundreds of people in the last few days and weeks of life. And she was hearing really heart-wrenching, very honest stories from people mm-hmm. in their last, their last days on this planet. And she was hearing five regrets more often than any others. But the number one regret that she heard again and again was this. I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself and not the life that others expected of me. Yes. I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life that others expected of me. And this message from the dying is a gift to the living because it's telling us two really critical things. If we're going to avoid this number one regret. Okay. Number one, we must decide what would a life that's true to ourselves look like? Mm -hmm. What would we be doing more of? Where would we be investing our energy what kind of relationships would we be having? How would we be spending our time in a way that's really worthwhile from our own perspective? That's number one. But number mm-hmm. two, okay, now that I know what kind of a life I'd really love to have, two, how can I develop the courage to live it, Ooh. to choose to do that, okay. even when perhaps my parents don't want me to, right. when my community frowns, 
that someone of my gender or my age is doing that. When our society or my religion says, oh, I, I, I don't know. And in life, at times, we're going to get full support from those we love, those mm -hmm. we work with, and the community and the culture that we're in, full support. But not always. Nope. Not always. At times, there's going to be a mismatch, and it's going to require courage. Sometimes it's not just people who are instructing us how they'd like us to live. It's our, it's our culture. Mm -hmm. We're getting messaging, continual, I call it toxic messaging. We're being drip-fed an ongoing diet of toxic messages about how you ought to live. Yes. Oh, and we get Keeping up with the, the Joneses. Oh, you've 18, go to university, get the nine to five, work 60 hours, 80 hours a week. Yes. I can relate to that. And I even had an entrepreneur for a father, but very religious background. And as long as I was doing, I was on the life path they agreed with, all was well in our family. And the second I deviated, um, oh. Oh, dear, very oh, disappointed dear. in you. Yes. <laughs> and I would think what I was going to comment earlier was you talk about that, but we don't get taught it young enough. No. We almost get to the point where we're 40s and 50s. And it's like, what did I just do? Because we start having regret going, I'm on the backside of my life now. And I haven't done the things I thought I wanted to do or that I know I wanted to do. Some people don't even know what they want. Some do, and they still don't do it. And it, sometimes they know what they want. But as we said, they haven't yet developed the set of skills, the courage to allow them to do what's personally meaningful and personally challenging. And, and it is a set of skills. Mm -hmm. uh, too many times people default to using willpower. And willpower <laughs> is a very emotionally unintelligent approach yes. to doing something. <laughs> you know, I'm going I'm to do this. I'm going to make that call. I'm going to make the call. <gasps> Here we go. I'm going to make the call. And they, they force themselves to do it. And you know, I have a great respect for willpower. It has its place. I agree. We need some willpower. But at the same time, if we're going to be courageous on a sustainable basis, mm -hmm. on an ongoing basis, we need to be a little more clever, a little bit more sophisticated about how we live with a naturally fearful human mind. Yes, yeah, so our subconscious do we... is doing its thing. Oh. The TV's doing its thing. It's actually amazing that we actually even move on with life, I swear, and that so many people can break out and, and live their dreams like you have. The reason I laughed so, so hard was my listeners all know that my tagline is willpower will only get you so far, and uh, then you better have a plan. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. It's very, very true. And I like your point about sometimes it's for a lot of people, it's when they get to middle age or a little bit later mm -hmm. that there's this maturity that develops and a perspective taking that develops, yeah. that allows people to reflect on their life and say, hang on, hang on just a moment. Am I, am I on course? Am I on course? Because it's, it's getting, a, a, I, I can see now that there is an end to this journey. Mm -hmm. And when we're younger, we kind of push that away. We, we think we're kind of immortal. And we're we invincible. Spend... We have oh. all the time in the world. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And there's something that, there's a wisdom. There is a wisdom yes. which comes with through aging. And I think partly is we we actually begin to notice other people passing away mm -hmm. and becomes more and more real. Uh, OK, OK. Yeah, this this really is a finite game. Yes. At some point, it's going to be game over. It, it's going to happen. And that's what helps us to reflect, to take that step back and review. OK, so what's happening? And uh and, and 
mostly, mostly, I'd say people go, no, there are some gaps. There's some things I've been neglecting. Mm. And it could be relationships. It could be the kind of work we're doing, the kind of connections we have with others. Mm -hmm. All of us inevitably have neglected something. And we then have an opportunity, should we choose to take it, is to start living with even greater courage and to do more of what's personally most important. Oh, I love that. You know, I was very lucky when I was younger. My mother's sister took me aside and said, Shelly, you need to understand that one, she always told me your spirit doesn't age, just your body does. And time goes quicker as you get older. So, you know, as a kid, you think summer vacation just lasts, you know, the school year or summer lasts forever. (laughs) And now you're like, what do you mean it's October? (laughs) I don't even know where last month went. And even with those bits of wisdom that I feel very fortunate to have listened to and been told, I still let a lot of insecurities and what I should be doing. And I was a single mom drive decisions that I look back on now, 30 years later going, Maybe I should have done that a little bit differently, not to live in the regret of it, just to say, was, is there something I now could teach, say, my granddaughter or when I was raising my own son to say, you know what, time doesn't last forever and just drip on them a little bit. Keep your mind open about these types of things and about what you really want. I sent my granddaughter off to school last week. She came and visited me and I said, okay, so as I'm driving her home in the car, what do we do at school? Question everything. And what do you do when you look in the mirror? I am smart and capable of anything. All right. My job here is done. Go to school, honey. Yes. <laughs> She's 11. Good she work. She's 11. Good. Thank you. We'll see if Good. she listens. But I just think it's important. We think, well, they're too young. No. I no. haven't spoken to her with COVID for five months because of stuff going on in Canada. And so it had to be months ago that I ever said anything like that to her. And she didn't even miss a beat. Question everything, grandma. Oh, you yeah. remember. Okay. Yeah, no, you're right. Yes. These lessons, they, they should be taught at a far earlier stage. Yes. Now, I think things are getting better. I, I get the sense that people are encouraged to be more uh, individual now. There's mm-hmm. a greater tolerance of, of thought and style. And that means that there's less conformity to uh, the sense of obeying cultural directions mm-hmm. for how women ought to be behaving right. where you should be spending most of your time and, and guys too we're all in the same boat that we're we're constrained by societal expectations but i i do get the sense they are loosening now and there is greater tolerance for people to truly author their own lives uh, without mm-hmm. as much criti- uh, condemnation there's still plenty of it every moment, a work in progress. So what did Bronnie, what's, what else is on Bronnie's list of, yeah. of the things that people regret the most? Yes. Number two, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. Now, I, I think that also is <laughs> yes. part of social messaging. You know, yeah. a, a, a good provider works mm-hmm. hard. Yeah. That's right. Uh, uh, number three, the third regret, I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings. The courage to express my feelings. So we're back to courage. Thing again. Left, things left unsaid, un- yes. communicated. I wish I'd, wish I'd said what I was feeling truly. You know, when things weren't work- working, mm-hmm. I wish I'd said. Uh, when I wanted to ask for something, perhaps, I wish I'd said. You know, right. So there's, that's the third regret, a lack of courage again. Number four, I wish I'd stayed in touch with my friends. Ah, uh. Easy to ne- neglect that, especially if you're working so hard. 
yes your all your time your energy is going into something that seems critical that seems absolutely vital you know it's interesting that you you say that because i always get the shocked look when i tell people that i have friends since grade one my best friend is still in my life and they're like seriously I've never thought about it because there's four of us that have gone, went through grade school together and are still adult friends today. That means I know way too much about you, but could you just expand on that a little bit as to why people are so shocked about that and why they don't keep their friendships? I love that history. I feel so grateful and so blessed to have those women in my life. We've gone through all our changes or kids and every marriages together. Why don't people, I, do you know? A lot of us are far more mobile than we used to be. Okay. So we are moving away from our home communities. We're going to study somewhere else. This Fair is certainly, enough. I grew up in the UK and that, that's certainly the way things work there. When you, when you study at university or later levels of education, you often do it away from home. You move away from home, oh, hundreds okay. of miles, you discover new parts of the world and often people will stay there. And they'll go back, of course, stay in touch, but they develop new networks of friends. Hmm. There's also, if you live in Europe, a lot of us move around Europe. So we don't even stay in our own country. Yeah. So I've lived and worked in in Germany, had a fabulous time working in Munich. I've lived and worked in the United Arab Emirates for a while. That was really healthy, really good thing to do. But of course, if we're physically in other locations, we we make new networks of friends. So I I think that's part of it. Like that, that contributes to this. Okay. Uh, this so do you think part of that's cultural then? Not So that's cultural. I would say that's partially cultural uh, in yes. the physical aspect. But do yes. you think it's cultural as well in just overall that you move on with your life? And so you create new connections and you get new hobbies. You know, the bottom line is you grow as a person. And so you start we, gravitating to the people that, we, that we are change. like-minded. Yeah. It's true. It's true. And uh, this is what maturity is. It's it's a development. And there's absolutely, we should be surprised, actually, if we all developed at the same pace and your interests Mm -hmm. stayed the same as the interests of the people around you and that you continued to have uh, as much, potentially, as much in common. So I've, you know, we we out, we outgrow our clothes. Mm-hmm. And there'll be some relationships, some of them, we will Fair outgrow. Enough. They will no longer serve us. We look at romantic relationships, mm-hmm. you know, they don't all survive the test of time, right? No, we, we develop, we grow. It doesn't mean that either of us is wrong or broken, but we people change mm-hmm. over time. So, uh, yeah, I don't think we should be too surprised if we let some relationships go. I, I think also... Uh, I'll put my hand up here. I've also, I've recently become more discerning about the kind of people we I yes. choose to spend time with. There are some relationships that make us more buoyant, lift us up, yes. energize us, and we we are improved by them. And there are there are some people you can spend time with, and it's taxing and draining, and yeah. you leave exhausting. A, yes, a diminished version of yourself. Yeah. And from time to time, and I've started tried to become a little bit more ruthless about this. I've so I just said, you know what? I'm gonna I have to dial that way, way down. This is this is no longer working for me. And right. uh, so I think we we maybe we we develop uh, we get a, a little bit more definitive about where we choose 
Just fair enough. My illness and COVID fixed that for me, even though I fought it and it, I had to work through it. My illness took away all my ability for energy because when I was diagnosed oh. many, many years ago, and I was the person that hosts the hundred person Christmas party every year. And my husband and I host the big barbecue. We were entertainers. One, I have no desire to do it at all anymore, but it was very hard for me to let that part of myself go because I needed mm. to heal. And then COVID really shut it down. And that's when I realized as well, I didn't, I didn't know 880 people on Facebook. I knew 300 of them quite well. And then there was a hundred of maybe some people I appreciated in my work life. And mm -hmm. like when I meet someone like you or something that's linked into me. So I shut the Facebook off a few months ago and then I went Ooh. through and started deleting people. And I felt at first so guilty. And I thought, well, people get offended. Will they be hurt? And I thought, Shelly, who cares? Not offense, not that I didn't care, but the fact this had to be about me. I just couldn't handle all, first of all, part of it was just the negativity and all the name calling and the Facebook and just, it just got so nasty with everyone choosing sides this last two years. I thought, I do not oh. want that energy in my yes. life every yes. single morning. Yeah. So the only way I could cope with it was a little bit like sometimes how I have to get rid of sugar out of my diet is cold turkey. I deactivated the account and went without it for the summer. And it was like, oh, so freeing. But yes. I'll never go back to, I don't think ever wanting to entertain that many people anymore. My circle has gotten nice and small. The people that matter to me, I've spent all of this pandemic with. And, and I'm less, what's the word I'm looking for? Exhausted? Maybe mm, emotionally exhausted. Yeah, yeah it takes a lot to keep in touch with that many people. So I don't worry about time. I manage energy now, not my time. Yeah. And that, that decision you took was an act of courageous authenticity, I'd say, because you, you made a conscious choice. You could have said, no, I'm going to prioritize the expectations of others. <laughs> I need to, the, the most yeah. important thing here is to keep everybody else happy. Now, if you'd taken that course, you would have shared the number one regret of the dying. Oh, in hindsight, I, I, I should have prioritized what right. was more meaningful to me. And a lot of people don't make that kind of decision. They, it, and it's easy to be just so distracted by Facebook and this the all noise. the social media, the noise, just all of yeah, it. It's noise, and it 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 does it, it diminishes our ability to choose. Actually, mm -hmm. so it's a it's a downward spiral. So well done on escaping Thanks. that whirlpool of of despair. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you said it gives you time. That's how I felt. Now I'm in a calm place, and I now I can look around and say, what do I want to do? Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. I actually want to be free to go out in our little motor home that we bought. I don't know. Did you guys call them that in, in, yeah. in oh, yes. okay. England yes. calls a care, a cab and a caravan, which we call a moving vehicle here. So it's just terminology. We bought this little teeny motor home. We can't cruise. We can't go anywhere. He said, let's, let's do it. We'll go back into camping and he fishes. So now I want to be able to just go with him. Even if I'm just in the motor home resting or reading, got my washer in my kitchen and my heat. I love it. But that was a choice that I wouldn't have gotten to if I hadn't calmed everything down and looked around and said, now, what do as a couple, we're pushing 60, do we want to be doing? What feeds us? Well, mm. I love to be out with the puppy on the bike trails and he loves to be standing in the middle of the river with a fishing rod in his hand, not even doing the same thing all day, but I have breakfast with him and he comes back for dinner. It's great. Perfect. No, of course it is. That's absolutely but wonderful. I was never quiet enough to really, really look at that a number of years ago.
Do we hit number five? What's the fourth, fourth or fifth? No, number we? five was I wish I had let myself be happier. Let myself be happier. But again, oh. this is about choosing to prioritize some positivity in your life. And we get so distracted by yeah, the needs of others. Okay. Spending long hours at work that we, it's right. very easy to forget to spend a little bit of time in our lives standing in the middle of a river or playing with a puppy on a, exactly. on a deck. And those, those moments, they matter. And we, we, we don't want to be doing that 24 hours a day, or, or, but we do need to pepper our life yes. with positive experiences and savor them when we do. Again, it's very easy for these wonderful things to happen, but for us to be distracted, mm -hmm. to be paying attention to something else at that time. Shelly Paxton, a lady that was on my show a year ago, she's now become a number one best-selling author in the United States. And mm -hmm. she talks about the things we should, we should all over ourselves. <laughs> oh, sure. And and it's true. We 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 keep thinking, well, I like looking after elderly parents. Unfortunately, we're all that generation now. If they haven't already passed, we're now partially looking after them. I should be doing this, I should be doing that. Wow, let me tell you, my shoulds have gone from like here to like here now. And I've also changed the verbiage. It doesn't necessarily a should. I choose to do this. I yes. choose to spend the day with my Alzheimer's mother, even though the next day she doesn't remember I was there. Yeah. And so I that's something that I should word. do. I've chosen to do it. You chose. And yeah. th this is Mindset change. It What a big one. What a big one. Yeah. And, and the lovely thing is, this is actually ancient wisdom. Mm -hmm. So the, the, the Stoic philosophers, it was Seneca, 2000 years ago, said the wise man... And of course, nowadays we'd say the wise person, <laughs> the wise man does nothing <laughs> unwillingly, nothing. Mm. You're going to do something. You're going to take care of someone who's sick. Choose. Will, do it willingly, right. not begrudgingly with uh, holding yourself back, digging your heels in. And a bad attitude. <laughs> uh, yes. I saw yeah. that happen in my own family prior generations where there was just a lot of, well, I did it. Not with any grace you didn't. Yeah. And there was a lot of anger and hurt feelings and no one really came out of it now. And I've always had issues with my mom. My listeners know that um, I come home and my husband's like, you're still in a good mood. It's like, yeah, expectations are done. Now I go for her and me. I'm sorry. You know, it's sad that she can't remember it, but that is okay. Mm -hmm. It's okay. Yeah. Everyone's still good <laughs> before and after. Yes. Because and I chose. Yes, you chose. You chose your attitude. That is within our control. So you use a word called fit to have. And I love that because I sometimes think people forget that your physical body isn't the only thing you need to keep fit. What are the three essential foundations to being fit for a purpose of life? Because yes. that is something I am assuming you have to choose and work at, practice, uh, yes. make it a habit. Yeah, totally. So all of us, we, we all operate in a physical body and that physical body determines to a significant degree the extent to which we can engage courageously with mm -hmm. life massively. And so many people want clever little mind hacks to enable them to feel confident, to feel happy, to be bold. Yeah. But those are all a complete waste of time if your physical body that you're operating in is yeah, is diminished and is depleted. Mm -hmm. So these are ordinary things, but they are absolutely critical. Number one, we've got to take care of our sleep. 
Mm. Absolutely critical. And it's not the length of sleep. It's so, I mean, that's important, but it's also the quality. We've got to take care of the quality of our sleep. Every single night, we go through about seven cycles of sleep. Okay. And in those cycles, about seven times a night, we dream. We dream. It's oh. a period of, of REM sleep. Mm -hmm. But in addition to the dreaming, during that period of REM sleep, every one of us gets an emotional intelligence makeover. Our emotional circuitry gets adjusted. It gets oh. settled down. It gets fine-tuned. Okay. Now, if you cheat yourself of a good night's sleep or you have a few too, you have, a, well, sadly, any alcohol. This is yes. such terrible news. It's such dreadful news. But alcohol is going to completely shatter the quality of your sleep. Inevitably, in the morning, physiologically, you will be more reactive, mm -hmm. more impulsive, and you will not be able to see things in perspective. It's just what happens to all of us, not because you're a bad person, a flawed person, a weak-willed person. No, just physiologically. Two drinks and any time past seven o'clock, I might as well just give up on having a good night's sleep. I will be like one in the morning before I can fall asleep, like deeply. It's, yeah. And we, then there's just not enough hours left to get a complete right. emotional tune-up. So that's the first thing. We've got okay. to attend to the quality of our sleep. And whatever that means, it's not just alcohol. It's, you know, it's noise, it's light, yeah. it's duration, yeah. Yeah. not eating too late. We've got to attend to sleep. And it has profound impacts on our ability to choose what we're going to eat the next day, how yes. we're going to talk to people, your capacity to choose. It's diminished. And it's determined when by how well you slept. In, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Number two, we absolutely need to move during the day. It turns out we are literally encouraged at a biological level. Your blood has more hormones, which make you feel bold if you move during the day. They're called myokines. And scientists call them, as a shorthand, the hope molecule. You oh. will feel more positive if you move. Now, and I'm not talking about running for, you know, kilometers and kilometers, but mm -hmm. simply going around the block. Mm -hmm. Maybe a little cycle, but walking a bit. Yes. But continually throughout the day, it literally encourages you. You will be bolder. All of us only have brains. This amazed me when I learned it. It turns out the only reason we've got brains originally was to navigate, to move around oh, obstacles, of course. away from predators, yes. and to hunt, to, to get good things. Navigation needs a brain. If you're an animal, and there's a lot of animals actually do live on the sea, on the bottom, mm -hmm. on a rock, they've got no brain. They don't need it. Opening your mouth, filter feeding, you don't need a brain for that. You're not navigating you a, anything. Okay. No, there's no navigation. You and I, our brains work well when we are using them for their intended purpose, navigating, especially mm. navigating in nature, going outside, moving along paths, across grassy fields, along beaches, around mm -hmm. rocks. It's, it's a wonderful brain workout, moving outside not so much on a treadmill. There's not a lot of brain workout happening when you just make one leg in front of the other or your, your feet go round and round and round. Interesting point, because 20 years ago, I read an article on that as well about even being on a treadmill, don't read a book. Uh, you, you, you need to be conscious about what is happening in your movement 
And they said, yeah, treadmills, that's just for like inside. And even if you're going to use it, don't read a book. Be aware that your body is moving. Yes. Interesting. So that really supports that. I guess back then it was more of a theory. Now they've really got more science that th these things have been proven now. They have. And they've had people do exercise through shopping malls mm -hmm. or exactly the same amount of exercise in parks. Mm -hmm. And the people who are outside get these significantly higher boosts in well-being and lowering of depression and anxiety. Yes. Outdoors beats indoors. So that's Fair number enough. two. We, we've got to move. We've got to move in mm -hmm. our life. And number three, we need good mood food. We need good mood food. It turns out half of the living cells in your body, Shelley, mm -hmm. are not human. Half of them are not human. You look pretty human from the outside. Thanks. Um, I must say, with this light, it, you're looking pretty human. However, and, but this also applies to me, half of the living cells are actually in our gut. Yes, it's all those, all those I'm biotics. loving that new research, let me tell you. Oh, it's good news. It's yes. very good news. And every time you eat food, you're not just feeding yourself. You're feeding this in, fabulous safari of wildlife that lives inside your gut. And incredibly, what the, 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 the type of little, little animals and fungi and things, the diversity of life inside your gut mm -hmm. determines to a significant extent, your mood, whether you're feeling upbeat yes. or whether you're feeling flat. Yes. And the science now shows us that if we eat rubbish, a lot of sugar, a lot of carbs. Yeah. Pro processed pro meats, sorry, refined processed, sugars. Processed, processed oh. food. I mean, it's all the things we, we kind of know about, but when we eat food that's not really food at all, what happens in our gut is that there's one type of bug begins to take over mm. and there's no diversity. There's, there is not that rich variety of life. There, you get this kind of, it's, it's a bit like a, we have a coral reef here called the Great Barrier Reef in Australia. Mm -hmm. And it's experiencing a problem at the moment that there is a runoff from farming. This is agriculture. Ooh, There's fertilizer yeah. yes. rushing into the sea. And as a consequence, what's happening on the reefs, which is right next to the coast, Mm -hmm. is that there's something called the crown of thorns starfish. It's a starfish that eats coral and it oh, loves, okay. it loves this fertilizer that's washing off this. And suddenly we've got thousands and thousands and thousands of starfish, too many starfish. Right. There's, you're out of balance now. Out of balance, out of balance. And it's destroying the, the reef. There's no oh, diversity. Okay. The same things happens with us. If we feed ourselves unhealthy runoff, mm -hmm. too much sugar, yep. there's the, the balance inside of us goes to hell. Yep. And unfortunately, our moods will deteriorate and we will not feel encouraged and courageous. We're more likely to feel negative and hopeless. Mm -hmm. So when you eat healthy foods, vegetables and fiber, especially fiber, you are feeding this wonderful community inside that will take care of you and lift your mood. There's also so those, a lot of research about that being the second brain as well, that, you know, not just our emotional well-being. it's like, it's <laughs> a huge part of how your intuition works, how your thought process, critical thinking. And yeah, we need to take care of our guts yeah. and don't do it. And the attitude I like to take is I'm not just feeding me, I'm feeding someone else. I'm feeding someone else. And I what feel, well, I'm taking care of that community 
inside of all of that oh. life. It's a little bit like 50... a pregnant mom. You always feel you... like you never feel like your your own body when you're pregnant. I know guys right. can't do this story, but the second you get pregnant, I'm sorry, and that's why a lot of like even my niece, she gave up smoking all three pregnancies. I wish she just quit it completely, but every time she got pregnant, it was like all the bad stuff stopped. I'm like, why can't the bad stuff stop constantly? But that's okay. Because yeah. immediately you have this innate concern for the other life you're trying to bring into the world. Yeah. And all of us will do more to take care of others yes. than we will for ourselves. So if you can yes. conceptualize this as, as a way of taking care of others, then you might actually change your diet even sooner. I like that actually, because it is very hard to deal yeah. with people around diet. And that's you know how I got into my health stuff. I'm a celiac. And they discovered it when I was in my twenties and I was sick for, you know, a little bit of kind of sick all the time until they discovered what was going on with a biopsy. And, and then I had to eat Then I got sick with fibromyalgia. Well, now I can't move like I used to. So I have to eat nutrient dense. So less carbs, less, less um, energy fuel and more nutrient fuel. Mm. Otherwise I don't feel good. I feel like crap. And someone that's battled with depression your mood just looks like this. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, it, I think planet wide, the actual amount of nutrient in our food, even in vegetables and fruits, it's diminished markedly over the last 10, 20 years. I read a study that like 52% um, for some things, you know, I think that's why uh, in the Bible, they talked about every seven years, you're supposed to let a, a farmland go fallow. Yes. And, you know, these things, we all think this is some like who like us way back then. No, that's got like you said, ancient wisdom, common sense. If you're constantly taking which growing is you're taking from the soil and the air and everything and everything around you, if you're constantly in the take and never in the rest and give, it's kind of an example of our lives and our own bodies and stuff. You're going to get depleted. And we have done that so heavily, so heavily on this planet. So those are just the foundations, though. So I, I don't spend a lot of time on that in the book, but we've got to, we, we mustn't neglect those kind of routine things, the sleep, okay. the moving and the food, because they have such a profound effect. But after we've done that, now we can start doing some more uh, clever psychological strategies. We can start adopting mindsets which encourage us. We can start choosing our attitude and cultivating attitudes, making them habitual Mm -hmm. so that on an ongoing basis, we are more likely, we're helping ourselves to choose to do what matters. I like that choosing. A lot of people that are an autopilot don't believe they have a choice about their mood. Now, one thing I've discovered in my own life with dealing with a chronic pain and illness the last couple of years is if I walk, if my husband walks in and he goes, oh, having a bad day, my answer is not, yeah, I feel like crap. Blah, blah. My answer is, yes, I am, sweetheart, but this will pass mm. because my mindset is I'm not staying in this hole. The bad yeah. days still happen, but I'm not going to pitch a tent there and live there. And that and choice has made a huge difference in my life. That's it's such an important uh understanding it's empowering perspective that actually everything changes mm-hmm. nothing lasts nothing lasts when with the good times happen um, it'd be great if they just stuck with us forever no I know. we need to relish them while they're here and when bad times happen okay they're happening now but this will pass this i mean that also is ancient wisdom Mm-hmm. This, I think it's some Babylonian king said it. No, if you could summarize 
the most important thing to know is, is that this too will pass. Yes. Yes. Very much so. You know, as yeah. a person that went through a divorce when I was very younger, very young and was a single mom, that is a lesson I had to really take to heart. And as we get older and we bit, we go through enough, like, yes, the world is a disaster right now, way more than I was anticipating it would get to. Uh, but yeah. when it first hit, I realized I, I took a step back. The young people, you know, that, you know, in your neighborhood and whatever, they're like, what's going on? It's like, you know, not my first rodeo. You know, I've already been through a huge depression, not the dirty thirties, but in Canada, we had a big wipeout in the eighties, 2008, you know, there has been yeah. many things in the world, the cold war, multiple wars, things in my generation's purview. In other words, my grandparents fought in a war. Therefore it was talked about in our home. And so, yeah, this isn't our first rodeo of bad things. This too shall pass because it always yes. does. That's how history works. And the timeline is true. And it, we kind of need these challenges because every challenge that hits us, we grow a little, we become yes. a little bit more resilient, a yes. little wiser, we develop. And it's, it would be such a mistake to live a life that was challenge free, that yes. was safe. So no, we need these knocks. Unfortunately, because I'm yeah. with you. Could it just be roses and sunshine every day? But then well, we, uh, wouldn't, we wouldn't know it's roses and sunshine because we wouldn't know the difference between that and, oh, this is not a good day. No. But we don't have to like it. I think that's, I mean, you know, we people try to rush us towards feeling positive when things are not good sometimes, mm -hmm. when we're actually in pain, we have genuine loss, you know, things are not going well. And there is, a, a, I think this is really unhealthy. There is a toxic positivity at times in the culture, which will try to accelerate you through the suffering and say, mm -hmm. no, 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 stop thinking that. Start th looking on the bright side. Yeah, I know you've, you've, you've become blind in one eye, but look on the bright side. What? What? Yeah. You've lost. Yeah, you've lost your partner. Oh, plenty more fish in the sea. You know, a friend has a friend has died. Yes. Yet they're in a better place. Yeah. So others try to accelerate us through, and I, I think that's a. It's such an unkindness. You know, part of living a courageous life is being honest mm -hmm. about our experience. It's about being honestly uh, owning difficult experience, not trying to push it away. Not getting lost in it, overwhelmed in it, but saying, actually, yeah, this is tough. Yeah. This is hard. And being being with it, being with it, not lost in it. but Current, being like being present, you mean? Like being, yes. Yes, I would have yeah. to agree with that. Yeah. Emotions, let them sweep through. What I think we do as human beings is we hang on to something like a little hook. So either they're trying to rush us into the, to the silver lining. I put a thing, a post on Instagram, I think a couple of months ago that said, you know, there is not always a silver lining. No. But learn the lesson and move on. <laughs> but there yes. isn't always, and I'm a fairly, I am, I'm a very cheery person most of the time, but there are still steps to things. I, I have a death doula um, in one of my networking groups, excuse me, for a few years ago. And she really talked about that. She was the guest speaker once and she talked about the stages of grief. And she says, you need to go through them because if mm. you don't, they're going to come back and probably bite you in the ass later. If it's something significant, like you're younger and lost a parent or you lose a spouse or a child, you have got to go through that process. And, and, you know, I guess it's no different than being an alcoholic and going through the steps. You skip them, you rush them. You're probably going to slide back and have to start again. It's true. It's, yeah. uh, we need to go through. We need to yes. go through. Yes, I but, would agree. Yeah, but in addition, the, the, the capacity to be with discomfort mm -hmm. is the core skill of being courageous. What do you mean? 
to be courageous is not to get rid of all fear. It's not to be fearless, to be totally confident of a successful outcome. Being courageous is being willing to do what's difficult, even though it's difficult. It's not yes. waiting until it's easy. Being willing to, let's say, ask for a pay rise, mm -hmm. but you don't know you're going to get it. Ask someone out. You don't know if they'll say yes. Start a new business. No guarantee. Learn a new skill. It could be a language or playing a musical instrument and not be good immediately. Right. Okay. I'd, I'd actually go as far as to say, say that the most rewarding experiences in everyone's life, if you look back, they involved some degree of courage. If we look back at the times that we, that we are most proud of ourselves, how we showed up. It wasn't a time that we were lying on a beach sipping a drink. You know, that was, a, that was, I'm most proud of the time I sit, sipped on cocktails on a warm Balinese beach. No, we probably, probably a time we said no to something that was important, a yes. boundary had been transgressed, or we said yes to something that mm -hmm. was important. We began something new, or we left something toxic. Right. So courage is being willing to do something that's important in the presence of fear, uncertainty, and doubt. It's an uncomfortable experience being courageous. We need to develop our ability to be with discomfort. Mm -hmm. You know, it's that's a very fabulous point. I had the lady last week that we talked about that I forgot to hit record. She was talking about eating disorders, but we were talking about feeling hungry how that is a perfectly natural and wanted experience. But we have like, we have made that something like I can never feel hungry. Like that's like a, we've created this weird stigma around it. Like that's, that's not healthy. Actually. Yes, it is. <laughs> and this is the same deal. I think society has taught us something wrong. We have been practicing the wrong thing and accepting the wrong thing. Yes. Would you, would you have to agree with that? I totally, yeah. totally agree. That I know they're society, completely different topics, but it's that acceptance of something that no, isn't it's, it's, real. It's, it, is, it's, it is the same topic. It's in the same zone. Yeah. Okay. Society tells us that you should, you should feel good. You deserve to feel good. You should never feel a little bit too cold or a little bit too warm. Mm. Yeah. You shouldn't have to wait for anything. No. Oh, instant gratification. That's yeah. worked so well for society the last 20 yeah. years. All, absolutely. All <laughs> stores should be open 24 hours. Yeah. Yes. Your needs should be, <laughs> you feel a tiny twinge of hunger where yeah. you should be able to satisfy it. A little bit cold. So we've become intolerant yeah. of well, even mild. And at universities now, unfortunately, people are intolerant of difference of opinion. Mm -hmm. Hence why yeah. the world is a little scary right now, because there's yes. no acceptance for critical thinking, asking no. the other side of the question, having a debate. We no. used to have to debate a point in school that I completely disagreed with, but we still had to learn to do it. And now that's gone. <laughs> if you have a difference of opinion, well, if you voice it, well, that's offensive to me. That's traumatizing me. I need to go into a safe room and calm myself down. So campuses are actually banning people from visiting and sharing alternative perspectives because people have become so fragile. Oh, wow. And in a sense, what is fragility? Well, it's, it's a prioritization of comfort. Mm. And it's an over prioritization of continually comfort above comfort. all above. Yes. Okay. Above all. And we, when we do that, 
we end up eroding our ability to lead courageous lives. Oh, I like there that, Eric. There ain't any courageous lives without discomfort. No, exactly. I find right now with school, they're just being indoctrinated. It's like, where's the learning? Do you watch the news lately about how we've been tearing down statues all around Canada? Because they don't like I, the history attached to them. Oh, and uh, I'm like, what are you people yeah. doing? I'm sorry that he did bad things, but it was 250 yeah. years ago. Leave yes. it and learn. Yes. Maybe not celebrate things. I understand that. I mean, if this guy was all pro-slavery, yeah, I wouldn't want to be celebrating that. But all I'm saying is that uh, life was very different two to 500 years ago. The women were still chattel. Um, you know, things were very different. And for you, for us to just tear down all our history because you don't like the narrative, mm-hmm. yes. that's actually not growing. That's why I think it was so easy to things to kind of change in this world and get so a little bit nasty because we're two generations off a of world war now. My granddaughter looks at me and goes, what are you talking about, grandma? She's not old enough to ever hear those stories or understand that Uncle Blackie lost his leg in the war or that there were people that lost their brothers and sisters. You know, all of her grandparents are alive and we're all healthy and well. There has been no real tragedy. And I think this is one of the Uh, my generation is the first generation that hasn't hands on experienced a tragedy like that. Yeah. And I don't wish it on anybody. All I'm saying uh, is it was just, it's just another nail in the coffin of comfort yes. above all. And yes. being a little bit ignorant of what came before, because That's I believe true. wisdom is something that you have, it comes with learning and knowledge and time. And you don't need to recreate the will every generation. But I feel no, a little it, bit like this is the first generation that's coming up now that they're recreating some wheels right now because they weren't paying attention to the past. I don't know. It's just to me, yeah, just critical thinking and learning to be uncomfortable. Yes, absolutely. Is that, that's what we need. It, it is vital. If we're going to, sh- if we're going to, we've got a lot of problems on the planet right now, and mm-hmm. we really need to hear a lot of different perspectives and ideas yes. about how we might collaborate. And so we need difference. We yes. need difference. I don't Way think there's any f- collaboration without difference of opinions. No, because no, it's, I, you're just spitballing it like marketing, just spitball out the wall to something sticks. But yeah, we've, exactly. we've made that seem like it's bad. Yes, yes. No, we, we need to develop the ability to actually listen to one another, give mm-hmm. each other permission to speak. Yes. And not not to punish and humiliate and shout down, but to, to, to consider. We don't have to accept everything we hear, mm-hmm. but we can consider it. Oh, yeah. What might be helpful in that? You know, what ideas might be useful? So we, we really need to learn <laughs> to tolerate yes. the mild discomfort of somebody not always agreeing with us. This isn't a, yeah. shouldn't be such a big ask. Exactly. Perspective is going to be different from me to you and to someone else. Yeah. Perspective is everything. There are three three mindsets I think that can help us, that okay. can help bolster us, Brilliant. to support us to do more of what's challenging and difficult. Okay, what are those? Okay, so the first one is defiant gratitude, a defiant gratitude. So here's why I'm using the word defiant. Okay. We live in a culture which is perpetually telling you what you do not have, okay, what's lacking. You look at any billboard. Now, look, mm-hmm. you see these extremely attractive people up here. Do you see how popular they are? Yeah. Do you see how attractive, how much stuff they've got, how successful yeah. they are? Yeah. Well, they are like that uh, because they've got this. And it could be a fragrance. It could be anything. A wash. A fizzy drink. Yeah, yeah, something like that. But we're continually being told 
this could be you, but it's not, it's not, but this could be you. You, sh you actually should be, back to those shoulds, more attractive, uh, more popular, uh, more successful like this. Uh, maybe you should be younger. Maybe you should be a more skilled a gap. We've been taught, and this is how advertising works, it creates a sense of lack. Totally. And then it creates this illusion that this lack, which we've just created in you, can be, we can fill this lack with this fragrance, watch, car, whatever. Now, people look, and of course we mock it. We look, for heaven's sake, what a ridiculous ad. Do you but, remember the Axe commercials? You know the product Axe? Is that a phrase? body spray uh, for men? Uh, yeah, yeah, and he, yeah, he'd spray himself and all these gorgeous women. And oh. my son was like 13 when it came out. My husband and I looked at him and goes, that's not real, just FYI. Because he did. He wanted to buy it. And I, I got to wear this well, to high school, mom. I'm like, oh, buddy, we can smell you three blocks away. Even when we're laughing and our conscious minds are poo-pooing this, there's another part of us is watching all of this advertising, everything on social media, yep. you know, all of these other people having it better, being happier. And a part of us is noticing, it is paying attention, and it sighs, and it feels a little sense of lack. So ah, unfortunately, okay. we, we are diminished. We are taught to focus on what we do not currently have. The antidote to this is to be defiant and say, yeah, in spite of all that, I choose to appreciate what I do have. I'm going to choose to direct my attention to what is in my life, to what mm -hmm. I can appreciate the relationships that I have, the access to libraries that have every book, marvelous section yes. of books for free, yeah. hot and cold running water. How boring. Something <laughs> emperors did not have yeah. until about 200 years ago. Hot and cold running water. Yeah. You're living like royalty. So we really do. I mean, you and I now, we're talking across the planet. Yeah. in real time you're in color i can see you i can hear you this is a miracle it is i agree when we pause and savor what is in our life just for a few seconds it changes our biochemistry it changes our mindset mm -hmm. we we literally become emboldened when we pause so this is something we need all of us need to do intentionally throughout our days, just two or three times for 10 seconds. Mm -hmm. We've all got 30 seconds, surely, in the day. The thing that we all have that's that we all neglect, every one of us neglects, that's the most valuable thing, and we don't like to think about it, but it's our time alive. Now, we like to push away the fact of our mortality. We don't like to spend too long dwelling on the idea right. that it's coming to an end. And actually, whatever age you are, it could end tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And I was listening to another one of your guests talk about this really important fact. And it's one that we all need to take to heart. It's our mortality. Yes. And I call this one of the three human predicaments. If you're a human, you're unlike any other animal on, on the planet in that, you know, from a very early age, actually, mm -hmm. you're going to die. And animals don't, they, they're kind of in the moment. They're experiencing the now overwhelmingly. But as a human, you can look ahead. Now, hang on. I've seen someone else die. Uh, just um, hang on. Does it? Is it? Is yeah. this going to happen live, to me? We are able to look forward and yes. look back, and we, we yeah. sometimes forget. We live in those two places, forgetting about the here and the now. You know, Eckhart Tolle's "The Power of Now." That changed things for me five years ago. It's like stay present, Shelley. Always enjoyed my life, but 
that's how regret becomes a, such a huge thing in people's lives, I believe. They don't it, stay present. It is critical that we develop the ability to choose mm-hmm. if we're going to think about the future or yes. come to the present. But what a lot of us do and spend a lot of time doing is pushing away our mortality. We don't like to truly accept that we've only got a certain number of years mm-hmm. on the planet. When we do that, we rob ourselves of a sense of urgency to live well while we can, and we devalue our minutes alive. We devalue them. When we devalue them, we're more willing to fritter them away on Facebook, on social media, on Netflix. And there's, no, yes. there's, not, there's <laughs> nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with dipping into a bit of Game of Thrones. Of course. <laughs> or, uh, or Foundation, which has just started. You might oh, I've heard. Yes, I want to watch that one. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with a bit of it. But when we devalue our minutes, when we think we're going to live forever, Yes. We're more likely to fritter our time. There is nothing you and I have that's more precious. It's, the, it's, a, it's a non-renewable resource. Right. Life. Yes. Minutes alive. We need to be defiantly grateful in the face of our mortality mm, to choose okay. to appreciate defiantly. Not I value my time. There's a website I'd like to direct your listeners to. Mm-hmm called count.life, C-O-U-N-T dot L-I-F-E. Mm-hmm. It's very simple. You get to this webpage and it says, when were you born? You type in your birth date. Then it says, how long do you think you'll live? I like to give myself 100 years. Be generous. Be Absolutely. Generous. Yeah. You press enter and you are confronted now with a wall of bricks. Every brick represents a week of your life. In one color are the weeks you've already had, and in another color are the weeks you've still got ahead of you, assuming you get to 100. Mm-hmm. Shelley, there's something very, very powerful about looking at the weeks you have left as a visual, not Fair as enough. a word. Right. Oh, I've got so many hundreds of weeks left, but as a visual. Mm-hmm. And I'd encourage all your listeners to go to this website and look. And if they're like me and like everyone else I've heard who's actually visited this, you get a a strong felt sense that, okay, this actually comes to an end. And and I'd have thought there were more bricks ahead than there are. Oh no. So, but it it won't send you into a tailspin, a panic, into despair, but it does give you an appreciation, an honest appreciation that this has an end. Right. And that is yeah. one of the, like you say, as humans, that's our unique perspective. Yeah. And that's yeah. why people hang on to life because it is finite. It, you know, we're not living 5,000 years. We're not vampires. If vampires no. were real. There was a yeah. line in, um, oh, I love sci-fi. I, there was this movie a few years back. Me too. Ascending, and this reincarnated young lady is standing with her daughter from the first life. And she's five and a half thousand years old. And she looked at her and he says, you'd be surprised how quickly that went. <laughs> even though you guys only live 80 years you'd be still surprised how quickly that went so yes i think our the finality of it all should create a little bit of a sense of urgency doesn't mean like run around like a crazy person i don't think and stress yourself out but to let go of your attitude that it's just going to last forever i don't think that's healthy because you're not going to last forever yeah you defer you procrastinate your life away Exactly. So this is the first attitude we need to okay, develop. Okay, what's the second? Defiant gratitude. The second one is a fierce 
self-compassion, okay. a fierce self-compassion. So we want to develop the ability to be with discomfort. Remember, if we're going to be courageous, okay. we need to learn. How can we be with discomfort? And actually, if you're a human being, you come with a fearful mind. Mm -hmm. now, you didn't choose. You didn't choose to be born a human of a certain set of parents at this time in life in the community with a mind that's continually catastrophizing and worrying what others might think. And everyone's mind does this. Look, okay. it's the situation and our, our predicament to be find yourself in a human being with a, a afraid mind. It deserves some, some kindness, okay. some self-compassion. And Christine Neff, the self-compassion researcher, she mm -hmm. says there's a different, there are different types of self-compassion. There are some which are a little bit on the self-indulgent side. Oh, the okay. poor me. Oh dear. I'll take, oh, I'll have a drink. I better lie down. I'll, I'll have another bar of chocolate actually right. poor me. And there's another kind, which is fierce that says, yes, actually this is tough. Actually, this is hard. And in spite of that, I want to give myself a kick up the backside and I'm going to get on and live despite it being hard, but I'm not going to ignore and push away my genuine lived worries, okay. the fears. I think a lot of people f are worried that if they do acknowledge that actually something's a bit hard, something's a bit tricky, I'm hurting, that it will disempower them. They will they'll be lost in despair. But actually, the opposite is true. When we can hold our discomfort in balanced awareness. Mm -hmm. I like honestly, that. Yeah. yeah. Balanced, balanced awareness. Away. Okay. Yeah. It actually is. It's an honest approach to life and it empowers us to do more of what matters. It's an empowering attitude. So okay. that was the second mindset, mm -hmm. a fierce self-compassion. The final mindset I call courageous authenticity. And this is a willingness to author your own life. You're going to choose. Okay. We're not going to do what society necessarily, what society says, but you're going to take an active role in authoring your life mm -hmm. and you're going to develop a willingness to pay the price. And the price is uncertainty. Okay. It's a willingness. So we're not being resentful. Oh, this shouldn't feel so hard. It's yeah, actually this feels hard. And, and actually you get to choose. You get to say, you can choose. Actually, you know what? I'm not going to pay that price. This is too upsetting. I'm not going to do that. You can if you want, or you can choose. Yes, I'm going to go for this new business, developing this new career, even while there are no guarantees. Mm -hmm. I'm going to try to develop this relationship or I'm going to leave this relationship. I'm going to choose. This is not working. But you know what? Maybe I won't meet anyone ever again. Maybe. And actually, I'm going to choose to do that. So courageous authenticity is a willingness to pay the price of discomfort. It's not waiting until we're completely confident. Right. When's if a good time? Never. When, when should we have children? There's never a perfect time. And no. there's never a perfect time really in your life to get anything done. No. I didn't start my podcast till I was 51 years of age. And I've been doing what? it for five and a half years. Um, yeah. I thought, no, I, I don't want another career. I, there's nothing else I want to do. I thought at the time, I, like, that's not true. I wouldn't say I, there's nothing else I wanted to do. I just didn't think at my age, I did. I bought into that. I'm middle-aged now. Then I gave myself a kick in the pants and said, are you freaking kidding me? What are you going to do for 30 more years? Because I don't buy into retirement. I have no. no problem taking time off 
but I want to live my life till I die. I've, I just saw way too many people retire at this, you know, 65 and three years later, it's like, what do you mean they're dead? What? And I think that's part of our psyche that we just keep onto this roller coaster of the narrative that's taught to us by society again. And I love how you have these fierce warrior terms for all three of those things. Mm, (laughs) I love that. That did not go unnoticed. That's, that's, that's the attitude we need. Yeah. Life is an adventure and it Mm -hmm. requires courage. It's not, you know, a lot of it is going to be fun and a lot of it is going to be quite scary, Mm -hmm. but that's, what's going to be rewarding. Is you feel that's something people just need to let go of that, that life is easy. That life should, let me rephrase that. We're, we're taught, we're taught this. We are taught continually by our culture that yes, things should be easy. You should feel comfortable. You should, nobody should be offending you. Ah. No, no one should ever defend you. You need to, you you should be completely fed. You shouldn't feel hungry. You shouldn't feel upset. You shouldn't feel stressed. Uh, You know, and this is, I think partly, this is why a lot of um, uh, migrants, Mm -hmm they come into life they do a lot of them succeed to a stunning degree in life why they do not expect life to be easy exactly and they make an effort they've got this ethic yeah and they are willing to put in the hard yards again and again and again talked about that many times growing up we had because we're post-world war ii so where i live a lot of german polish immigrants and my father used to say it's it's incredible. They come here. We had a gentleman in our church that walked for two hours to get to his job. So what we call Vancouver to Richmond and back again, they couldn't afford a car the first two years they lived here. Says he just got it done because he came from a place that was so much worse and they had to scrape for everything. But yes, in that 50 years, it's become a generation of what's where's mine and why isn't it easy? Yes. Yeah, that's right. So just to take a step back, mm-hmm. a really rewarding, nourishing life that you can be proud of, mm-hmm. a life that avoids the number one regret of the dying, which was, I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, I does like require that. us to do two things. Author a life that's true to ourself. Okay. Decide, choose, yeah, what would I be doing? What does it look like? And in your case, it included podcasting. Mm-hmm. That's a choice you made. Absolutely. And secondly, we need to develop the skills of courage. Willpower will not take us there. And it, great though it is. And those three mindsets, that each of them is a skill. Defiant gratitude, it's a skill. Mm-hmm. It's a skillful attitude, we can develop it. A fierce self-compassion, it's a skill that we can develop. And courageous authenticity, they are okay. skills. We can build these attitudes. And there are practices and strategies to get better at all three weave them into our life so that we can all of us live lives of greater courage now you have uh because i've just read part of your book you only wrote the book two years ago this is very new you were you were about to launch it as covid started but you've exactly. been coaching for years is most of this in your book a lot is are these the things that you are teaching in the book what um, what we're talking about today mm-hmm. yes how awesome. to cultivate those three attitudes uh, and where can mindsets. people find your book eric they can find it on all online booksellers. Excellent. Okay. Uh, and if you're, you have any listeners who are in Australia, they can also get a signed copy from my website. And Fantastic. is Audible got it yet? Have you done an Audible, Audible with it? No, they, I've okay. been asked. I've been asked by a number of people to put in the yards. Probably this uh, this January. January in Australia is quite a quiet time mm-hmm. work wise. It's our summer holiday. Right. I just might invest the time to uh, record 
do and please yeah, do it yourself. Uh, I, I, as an avid audible listener, and I realize not everyone has the voice for it. People that do, or even if they just don't, I relate to someone in their own words and their own tone. I do. I've, I've listened to, who was I just listening to? You spoke about surrendering and mm-hmm. the magic of surrender. I've just, I'm in the middle of right now with cute Blackson. And it's been quite a fascinating little eye-opener. It's in his voice. And I've listened to a few that are in the author's voices, even if they, you know, flub it up a little bit or whatever, it has a real impact. If Thank you were you. going to leave our listeners with one last thing, is there something that, sh- that you feel that you would like to, to yes, say? There, there is my, I'd like to share my favorite gratitude exercise okay. with people. I call it the ultimate gratitude exercise There's, there is nothing more ultimate about this and it's in your day mm-hmm. to find something it could be something that you either enjoy a little or that you're neutral about it doesn't matter okay. but to find something perhaps it's having a coffee are you a coffee drinker Shelley no I'm not but <laughs> a tea do you drink tea yes yeah great a cup of tea then the next time you have a cup of tea I'd like you to consider <laughs> drinking it as though it was your last cup of tea. Mm, okay. You, you still had a long life ahead of you, but for some mm. reason there was going to be no more tea. This okay. was your last chance to savor and experience a cup of tea. When we bring that last time attitude to any experience, mm-hmm. it's a phenomenal accelerator and catalyst for a sense of awe, gratitude, and being present. There's no way you could drink your last cup of tea without being fully immersed yes. in the, the, the smell, the fragrance, yeah. the sense of the warmth in your hands, the, the flavor as it moves around your tongue. You might sip it slowly, but you would be hugely present mm-hmm. to every last drop of pleasure (laughs) every last drop and the incredible thing with this exercise is that it really dials up pleasure and appreciation and gratitude for anything you can do it with something you like but also for mundane things like walking past a tree Mm -hmm. or a dog in the street look at that as though it was the last dog or tree you are ever going to see and wow do you notice a lot of detail I find colors become brighter, mm-hmm. objects become more three-dimensional, dogs become doggier, and trees <laughs> more arboreal. My yeah. last cup of tea. And oh. the thing is, it's, it's not just that one cup of tea. In future cups, t- there's future yeah. cups of tea. You'll enjoy them more too, without Absolutely. even doing the exercise. Yeah. When when alcohol had to leave my diet for a number of years in order to get my, I had to give my body its best fighting chance. I'm a winophile trained in fact with in the Y set and uh and I'm a huge fan of Australian wine um Ooh. and I have a wine cellar and if I ever felt like having a bottle a glass of wine because for a long time I wasn't I just was nauseous all the time with some medication they had me on and if that wine even looked the least bit appealing I don't care if it was 10 o'clock in the morning I would take the glass mm. and I'd be like an hour he's like what are mm. you doing I says 
I am savoring this. It could be two months before I feel like having it again. Mm. And it was such a thrill. It was just like, I would just, no distractions, no TV, just on the couch with that glass of red wine, Cabernet Sauvignon. Lovely. <laughs> so yes, I can completely relate to what you're saying. Eric, thank you so much for being with us today. It has been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. Everyone, as usual, I will have all of his stuff in the show notes, his links and everything. I encourage you, if this is something in your life that you are looking to improve upon and, and be the best you, please check out his book. Please check out his website. And I will catch all of you on the flip side. We really hope you enjoyed this episode of Coulda, Woulda, Shoulda. Stay connected with us directly through livingwellwithshell.com and Instagram at livingwellwithshell. If you would like to speak with us, please send us an email through shelly at livingwellwithshell.com. And as always, thank you for pushing your mindset towards a better reality. This concludes the most thought-provoking portion of your day. Thank you. And remember, willpower will only get you so far if you don't have a plan. <laughs>